Welcome back, guys. We're the Breakfast Show team coming to you from Ethiopia. You listen to Faith FM 87.6, and we have stories to tell. Yes, we do. Okay, whose yes, story? Yes, we do. Okay, so, so, so <laughs> Lawson has a smile from one one side of his face to the other. Mon is, um, yeah, I'm not. Wishes wish she was dead. Wish, wishes she was dead. Oh, by the way, guess what I had at my site last night? What? what? You would not believe it. Okay, you tell. No, 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 this was bizarre. And I think that made, made, made is this is why. No, we had electricity. 
No. <laughs> it was amazing. How in the world like did you all get night, that? all night. I was serious. All night. Never went out. Actually, Alice didn't either. Yeah, Alice stayed on. Yeah. Which was great because last night we experimented and we did a little kids program before mm-hmm. and we did a quiz afterwards with lollipop prizes and the people just loved it. We had people pouring in off the streets last night. Um, so we were kicking ourselves that we didn't do do it earlier. Um, we're going to do it again for the remainder of the um, trip. But it did mean that we were there quite a bit longer and I kept saying to Vani, my preaching buddy, man, the power's going to cut out. The power's going to cut out any second now. The power's going to cut out. But it held. Praise the Lord. It That's held awesome. all the way. Amen. Yeah. All right. More lollipops, lo- more lollipops tonight. Lollipop evangelism right there. <laughs> my, my preaching experience last night was actually another amazing one because I made an appeal for baptism and one person come forward. Praise God. And this is awesome. This is actually amazing. You know what? You're starting what? to run out of people in your yeah, audience. That's the thing. Is yeah. that so it was like eight people the first time, then nine people, then 10 people, then 13 people. So it was on this up, you know, mm-hmm. trajectory up, and now it's 10 people, five people, one person. So we're running, like, I'm, I'm not sad because I'm just stoked that we're basically, we're running out of people you've, to you've, baptize. You've, you've, you've. So what we've done with that is we've told people, bring your friends. So turn them into disciples straight away. So mm. we're like, we're not even got the kids on board. We're like, if you bring a friend, we'll give a lollipop to your friend as well. And so we're just getting everyone to bring a friend. That's awesome. That's cool. Tell them, tell them to bring a friend. <laughs> All right. So do, do you have any, any other news? Oh yeah, I've okay, got you, some news. I've got some news. I'll ask you. Okay. So I had an amazing day yesterday just from the, from the outset well I was really really tired and I like was just chilling in my room until like midday after radio because I was like crazy tired but anyways I um I got picked up at like 12 o'clock by an elder of the church the head elder his name's Wataro which is like an epic name and he took me back to um we ate some food and while we were eating two of his sons came and his son's like 24 and 20 and they um yeah, sat down, ate injera, in, injera with them, uh, which is the, you know the cultural Ethiopian food, and then afterwards we went back to their place, and it was just awesome just to chat with these young guys because both of them spoke English, but then it was like another son of Wataro, and then two of the daughters of Wataro, and we were just all like chatting and having a good time, and I'm like talking to them in English, and it was just it was just awesome. I was like, this is this is great, like. I love these people and and, and um, I, of course I already met Wataro's son and so I, we're like friends now it was just it was just a good time that's awesome anyways so then we're walking back to like the bike to get picked up and he basically promised me he's like okay look Lawson if you want a woman eye contact for you so basically now I've got an Ethiopian oh you got an Ethiopian wingman <laughs> so ah we got yes. more yes 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 so this is this is good but anyways so you showed him a photo of the of the of the, of, the, yeah. of the choir girl and he didn't know oh no it was a stitch up maybe it's but no better better things happened last night okay. better okay. things happened yeah. so went to my site to preach and the interesting thing is like like the choir and, and everyone involved in the worship service they're very serious mm. like they're never smiling yeah they're never smiling you know I'm like man you're like singing to God and, and all this stuff like you guys should smile but they're never smiling have you noticed that when because the, the choir comes out at my place from out the back they come out mm. they 
they sit, they sit down. As soon as they sit down, they immediately start praying. They go in a very serious prayer. Then they come up. This is a praying country. Yeah, then they this stand up to do their, their item. And then when they sit back down after doing their item, they immediately go back into prayer mode. It's, it's extremely reverent. And they, they take their music ministry very seriously. But now, one of the other things that I've noticed is that often when they'll pray by, you know, by themselves or singly, they'll pray, you know, Kneeling with head on the ground, forehead yeah. on the ground, yeah. forehead yeah. on the ground. Yeah. But the thing is, is like I'm talking when they're singing as well. They're very serious. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. serious. And so um, at our church, we have like the choir, which comes up and does like a song just before the sermon, a song just after the sermon. But then we have these two worship leaders that lead out in a, you know, an extended worship, um, you know, with the piano and whatnot. And um, usually it's a guy and a girl who are up there singing. Anyways, I'm just like sitting in my chair and I'm, I'm just cracking the classic Lawson smile because I'm just having a good time, you know, and I'm looking at everyone. I'm like, I'm so serious here. And so I'm just smiling. And um, the... The, the worship leader chick, she's like sitting, sitting across from me and, you know, we're kind of facing each other, but we're looking into the crowd, you know, and, um, you know, I'm just looking around at everyone smiling and, you know, nodding your head and all that stuff. And I look to her and I smile and she smiles back. Nice. And I'm like, whoa. It's, it's interesting how that a smile can do that. And then... You and know, because I'm, what I've noticed with all of the staff here in the hotel, they're all really serious all the yeah, time. Yeah. But if you smile at them, they'll smile back. Okay. They're kind of shy little like... Eh, but check, check it out. Check it out, love. We, this, this, this goes deeper. Okay. So then... Every time I'm like looking around, I notice we're like doing that thing where we like meet eyes. <laughs> and we're like smiling and then looking away and, and all that stuff. Anyways, I get up to preach. I preached. One person come up to get baptized. I was stoked because we're running out of people to baptize. And that's awesome. We've got 56 baptisms at my site so far. So I'm just praise like, God. praise the Lord. And I was telling them too. I'm like, look, you know, Jesus left the 99 for the one. I'm so stoked the one person is up here now because... Mm-hmm. because the Holy Spirit has worked in this guy's life. And then after that, um, the guy who got up to get baptized, he's the member, uh, he's the son of, of, of a member, this, this, this older woman. And, and he was like out, you know, in the streets drinking and partying. And now he's decided to repent and join his mom's religion, Amen. which is like so cool. Mm-hmm. And so his mom was like, yeah, let's have special prayer for him and, and pray over him. And Lawson, I want you to pray. Um, and the mom wasn't involved in the prayer, but it was me, my translator, and these two worship leaders, um, including such um, such woman. But anyway, it was amazing because I got to pray in English. And so I was just like going hard, praying in English. And because everyone could understand me, they're like, oh, yeah, amen, amen. Amen. It was really good. And then uh, finish praying and, you know, crack a smile again and this chick smiles back. And I'm like, man, this is awesome. Anyways, I'm at the front, like, you know, packing up all the bunk gear and the choir girls and this worship leader chick, you know, they go back into the church to take their choir gear off. And I, I, I've shared in the past that the problem that I've had with connecting with these choir girls is that as soon as they take their gear off, they leave. Right. Yep. That's the big they problem. Bolt. They they, they just they're just gone. Mm-hmm. They're just out of there. This chick takes her gear off, comes back. As her in, choir robe. Her choir, choir robe. robe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Takes her choir robe off, comes back, gives me a hug, 
and then says, "And then says, Lawson, I'll see you tomorrow." Ah! <laughs> she speaks English. <laughs> I'm so excited. <laughs> she actually hugged you. Yep. Dude, you are in. You are in like Flynn. Okay. She came. B- I'm sorry, sorry. I'm gonna be an auntie. What? <laughs> I'm so happy. You have to get a selfie. So with this her. is this is this is this is Mon. She's, she's got it all sorted. <laughs> not only is there a marriage, there is children, there is everything. So one of the great Mon, ways. Mon, Mon is an auntie already. <laughs> one of the great Lawson ways. Lawson gets one hug, two smiles, <laughs> and three words, and Mon becomes comes an auntie. <laughs> That's how it works. That's the magic. Okay, little, little tip, right? Little tip, right? So Africans, a good way to connect with them is they love selfies because their cameras here are pretty primitive, um, even like their smartphones. Even though they all have one, they're still pretty primitive in quality. So if you say to her, hey, let's take some selfies and whip out your camera quick, stick it into self mode and then start posing with her, she'll like get right into it. So that's how you're going to do right. your next move, yeah, right? I'm, and I'm then you actually it. have some pictures that we can put up on Facebook. See, <laughs> see, the thing is, is that like, so I said, I said originally, you know, when I was like, Did like, you ask her what her name was? No, stop. I said, it's the quickest hey, if thing it's God, around it's, here. It's if it's God's will, it'll happen. But anyway, the point is, um, so like the first, the first sort of like when I was like keen on like, oh, the other thing that happened is like, so the elders were like, oh yeah, we'll pay for you to live here and blah blah blah. Now the pastors like. We'll build you a house. We'll get you like a wage from the conference and you'll live here and stay here. Yeah, be careful with that because the last time I was told by an African that I could have a house, what they actually meant was that I had to build it myself out of horse poo. Okay, cool. But anyway. <laughs> yeah, no problem. Lawson, Lawson can handle but that. But no, but check this out. So that when I was like keen, like... You know, and and I was like happy. I was like, oh yeah, there's like you know, ninety nine point five percent chance that I'm not going to stay. Then like yesterday, I was like ninety nine point seven or eight that I'm not going to stay. I was like, nah, I'm done with this country, dude. Now we're down to like a ninety nine point one. Oh, there you go, there you go. <laughs> if you was climbing, 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 we'll be right back after this song. Oh, worship the King.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM. This is The Breakfast Show team coming to you all the way from Ethiopia, where we have been sharing adventures, and of course, we have been having a daily update on Lawson's love life. Will, I'm loving will it. Will he be engaged by the end of... Will he be married, married. by the end of this trip? <laughs> will he own cattle and land and a house made of... Mud, bottle, <laughs> slash manure, and tin. That's <laughs> <laughs> what, what they make their houses out of. But they have a, a metal door. Yeah. Okay, so we'll have well, some of our team got to go Probably to uh, a sort of village outside of town yesterday, oh, yes. and they had thatched roof. That's the a round, typical the round sort of, of yeah, roof. what you think of when you think. You know, of Philippians that. four, when when Paul says, you know, I know how to be abased and how to be abound. You know, anywhere I am, whether whether you know where, wherever I am, um, I am content for I can do all things through Christ. Look, if I have Jesus and I'm living in Ethiopia, I'll be okay. Yeah, that's a great attitude man. right there. That's a great <laughs> attitude. That's a fantastic attitude. I tend attitude. to think it's the reality that after like a couple of years of marriage, you'll be like, what have I done? I live in a hole. <laughs> it's interesting when you're um, here in Owasa because most of, um, in the area that we where we are, the streets are lined with uh, with walls and most of the houses are kind of behind the walls. Mm. Yes, you don't but, get to see. Yeah, you don't really get to see, but our, all of the chairs for our site are all stored in one of these little courtyards. And so I get to actually have, because I help set up the chairs every night, uh, a view of what's in there. So you go through one of those little doors and what you'll find is that there'll be a little courtyard there and about eight houses. Yeah. Um, each house is about the size of a bedroom and, you know, the average Aussie bedroom. Um, it's usually got a couple of couches and a TV and um, you know people sleep on the floor which is made out of dirt the walls are made out of mud the roof is made out of tin and uh, it'll be two rooms so you'll have one room that's the size of, uh, of a bedroom where everything takes place and then the other room has um, the a couple of cows in it and so you know there'll be like eight houses they'll share two cows and then there's down the end there's a, a communal uh, cooking area so there's a cooking area which is outdoors they all share the cooking area they all share the cows and then they have their little bedrooms and what amazes me is how clean you can see people walk out of these buildings mm. I mean you see the women walk out all dressed up and their clothes everything appears to be just squeaky clean it's like how is that even possible I did notice in Kenya that people love to sweep like they're always sweeping and here I've noticed they love to always wash their, their lower legs and feet and they'll do it just out in public they're just on the side of the road yeah like, because you do collect a tremendous yeah, amount of dust you do, yeah. I, I haven't um, bothered cleaning my shoes since I've been here because the moment I step outside they're, they're dusty, dusty again, again. Yeah, yeah but they'll They'll, and they also wash, love to wash their vehicles, so they're keeping the dust off that way. I mean, I guess the even the vehicles have very rounded off corners. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But do you know what? Yesterday, because our team got to go to that village, um, and uh, and uh, some of them were sharing pictures afterwards, and they had a little bit slightly different setup. So those little round mud huts, those sort of like you know really traditional, typical African savanna mm-hmm. kind of thing that people think of when they think of you know mud huts in Africa. It was all just one round circular room and in there was everything. So they shared the space with the cows and the cooking and everything. Yeah, yep, those yeah, ones yeah, have yeah, it. Yeah. Everything in together. Yeah, it is kind of, uh, it's definitely different. Um, I don't know if you could handle that, Lawson. Mon, you have an embarrassing story. Oh. Uh, we are going to hear this story. We are going to hear Yesterday this story. Yesterday was not a great day for me, alright? So, <laughs> I mean, first of all, for the third time now, I got trapped in the elevator and it was by far the worst time because I was in the hotel by myself and um, and the, the power cut out, whatever it was. And, uh, and I was in a different elevator. It was like an interior kind of elevator. And it just went 
pitch black. Like, couldn't even see my hand in front of my face. Couldn't find the button to press the alarm. And these, are, we, these are tiny elevators. Tiny elevators. I mean, these are elevators that you got two people in there full. you got three yeah. people in and you are getting very intimate Suffocated, with each other. Yeah. yeah, four people in and it's overloaded. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and so, and so I, uh, I was trying to just push any button. No, 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 nothing was working, man, because you know, electricity wasn't working. The alarm, nothing was working, even if I had found the button. But, um, yeah, it was really terrifying. It was so bad I started crying and I was, like, shaking and I was banging on the door and they could hear me bang on the door and so they were coming and yelling at me and Amarik, which wasn't helping. <laughs> and, uh, and, yeah, and then when it finally came back open, I mean, I'm sure it was only, like, a few minutes, but it felt like an eternity. I just, like, walked out, turned left, turned left onto the staircase and just walked away and they're, like, all, like, looking at me and I'm like, <laughs> I just went to my room and shook like a leaf for a long time. Wasn't great. Um, but yesterday, I had a really embarrassing experience, guys, and I'm just, <laughs> I just want to crawl in a hole and die. And we want to hear it. <laughs> I haven't told you guys yet. Maybe you can give me some preachy advice if this has ever happened to you. So, as you guys know, I'm still, like, fighting off a bit of sickness. I mean, you've heard of Typhoid Mary, but you have you heard of Typhus Mon? Um, and um, <laughs> and uh, yesterday, it was Varney, my preaching buddy's turn to preach, and... Um, and I, I sent her a message about half an hour before we we're supposed to leave, and I was like, "Fine, do, do you mind if I not come tonight? I'm really not feeling well." And she's like, "Oh, but I really wanted to help with the kids program that I want to try out tonight. I need your help, like being the lollipop police." And I was like, "Oh, okay." And so I got dressed and I went, and I really regret it to some extent because. We're sitting up on stage, her and I, and the translator next to her before the program starts. And like, oh no, yeah. And so I like had a, I hadn't like I was scared about being too far from the toilet for too long. That's w- what my issue yesterday was. Um, so I had a bit of a stomach thing happening, and uh, and I was in a lot of discomfort, and I had a lot of gas. <laughs> And so I was trying to like just sneak it out because I, I was really uncomfortable, and it was I, w- I was having success with very ladylike, little no one could hear it kind of a thing, and uh, and then one time it was like a thunderclap. <laughs> it was so loud. <laughs> And I just like when that happens, uh, the usual thing like I do is just like I just pretend that I just didn't hear anything, like it was a shoe or something. Somebody else. Yeah, but unfortunately, like Varney turns to me and in earshot of everyone goes, "Mon!" And I just wanted to die, and so I. Uh, there's no way the interpreter and possibly the whole front row didn't hear it. Ah, that's and I was, I was in such discomfort, and I was like, "Varney, you have got to wrap this up. We have got to get the taxi back to the hotel." as fast as possible and um yeah so I I fluffed in front of the <laughs> it was really ah uh, worst things have happened to you Mon and worst things just will staring at me revolting oh my goodness no. worst things will happen don't worry no just quick 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 embarrassing story not that it was embarrassing it actually didn't nothing embarrassing happen but I thought it was going to be really embarrassing so on like the second or third night here I was really struggling with my uh bowel movements yeah we've all been through this we have all been yeah, through this day they were moving too quickly than I could handle <laughs> yes you know? we've and all been through this day getting used to Ethiopian food I was sitting on the back of the motorbike on the way back to the hotel and my butt like my butt muscles just went numb and I'm like legit driving along <laughs> right, I'm like just about to get there remember we are okay. on radio right yes now. we are on radio but I was just like this is the breakfast show I, I was like I convinced myself that I think I've like pooed my pants and <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. but then I got back to 
the hotel and I'm like freaking out and I'm walking away like in a waddle because I couldn't tell. Lost. And I'm like, see you later, guys. And then I went to the bathroom and nothing was there. Oh, so well, praise the Lord. All right, I'm just going to change the subject. Right. This is the this is the breakfast show, guys. Seriously, this why is are we happens having in Africa? People this, need this to is, know the reality okay, the, of what's going to happen to your body when you enter this continent. It's true. This is the norm of of, of traveling to Africa. Anyway, world travel. <laughs> news back in Australia. In All fact, right. news coming out of England. Okay. Uh, this is Dr. David Nutt, who is the director of neuropsychopharmacology. Yes. The the neuropsychopharmacology unit at the Imperial College of London. Ooh. So psychopharmacology is um, the unit that uh, studies the effect of, obviously, pharmacol- pharmacological products, drugs, etc., um, on psychology. And he has made a couple of interesting uh, observations. Let me read this one. The industry knows alcohol is a toxic substance. Yep, yep. amen. If it were discovered today, it would be illegal as a foodstuff. Mm-hmm. Yep. Safe limit of alcohol if applying food standards criteria would be one glass of wine per year. There's no way. It would be zero glasses yeah, ever. I, I, I zero agree. Zero glasses in a lifetime. But one glass of wine per year is pretty yeah, close to zero. pretty close so to that's, zero. that's what he's basically saying your body can bounce yeah. back from. Yeah, that's yeah, right. Without yeah, long-term without effects. So that's anything right. more than that? Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and so it's interesting that this guy, you know, his area is drugs that affect psychology. And uh, <clears throat> a decade ago, he was sacked from his position as government drugs advisor after questioning skewed moral standards by which we judge drug and alcohol abuse. Uh, shortly after this, he presented data in the Lancet uh, Journal showing that alcohol is more harmful to society than heroin and crack. I absolutely believe it. And this guy should be made prime minister. There you go. All the fig Dr. Cold. David Nutt for Prime Minister. Anyway, we'll be back. Uh, we've got our interview of the day coming up, then the 8 o'clock news, and we will be back with Encounter with God here on Faith FM. Some please choose 
going to a better place And I hope that you are too Australia and joining me in the studio again to continue the story is Julian Archer. Now, Julian, you were telling just a, a, a wild story of your childhood and upbringing and your your parents' experience with God and how you ended up um, at church from a total hippie hippie entrepreneurs. That yeah. would probably be a, a description of your parents at that time. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Okay. So you got hippie entrepreneur parents, um, and uh, and yeah, through a process of uh, really quite remarkable circumstances, you've ended up as a as a young child going to church on a regular basis. Um, you've given your life to God. You've been baptized. You've had an, a conversion experience, I guess, for yourself when you're 18, and mm-hmm. then you go and get involved in the business yourself. Tell us about tell us about that part of the story. Yeah, so when I was uh, in those teenage years, um, my parents were running a, a business, a fruit and nut tree nursery called Archer's Fruit Trees in that big little town called Grantchester that we mentioned in the last interview. Okay, so, so they've moved on now from the health food shop? Uh, that's right, yes. Okay. Yeah, so health food shop's gone. They've just got this little fruit and nut tree nursery. Now, the fruit and nut tree nursery has 214 varieties of fruit and nut trees, okay? So it's a little business, but we've sort of got two of everything. <laughs> are you propagating from scratch or are you... Um, yeah, a whole mix. Grafting, marcotting, seeds, buying them in, what, whatever. Uh, just, just trying to run a, a little family business uh, to keep food on the table. And uh, through this process, mum and dad become Christians. Okay, and they just want to tell everybody about Jesus, and they became Christians. Okay, because okay. in the last interview, just to remind our listeners, your dad grew up in a church where his parents forced him to church eight times a week, if That's not right. eleven times a week, to the point that your dad actually, as a fourteen-year-old, tried to blow up the church, yep. and then, um, and, and that's no joke, literally blow it up, and then went out of the church like hardcore out of the church, mm. and now he wants to tell everybody about Jesus. That's right. That's a massive turnaround. 
it is a massive turnaround because in those early years he never met Jesus but now he finally has met Jesus and he's like this has completely changed my life health marriage relationships business everything total life changer and he, he's just going to tell everybody but he learnt about Jesus by attending uh, an archaeology program where they looked at the archaeology of the Holy Land and where Jesus walked and all that sort of thing. And so he's like, well, that must be how you tell people about Jesus. And so he, he and he's got to tell everybody, so he just buys a ticket to Egypt and, and goes and takes all these photos of the pyramid, come, comes back, rents the local hall, and says, come and hear Ray Archer talk about Egypt and tells people about Jesus in the process. Okay, so just, just the, you come and hear your local hippie talk, talk, talk all about <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, anyway. Fantastic. But, and they're funding all of this through this little fruit and nut tree nursery. Uh, so they do that in the, the local town, the town next door, the town next door, you know, a few that they can drive to until finally they run out of towns. They, they've told everyone they can. And they're like, well, we've got to, still got to tell people in other places, but we can't because we've got this little business that we have to stay here with. So let's sell this business and we'll be able to then just travel wherever. But then they're like, yeah, we're going to run out of money if we sell the business. You've got to eat. You haven't got a job, yeah. And so they go, well, what we'll do is we'll keep just one variety from this 214 varieties of fruit and nut trees. We'll keep one. And in the future, we'll propagate that one and sell that and make money from that one tree. But, you know, how do you decide that from all these different ones? Which one's a winner, I guess, is the question. Sure. Uh, well, as new Christians, it's really simple. Uh, I'm just Bible, trying to think of, uh, you know, the major crops that you would have growing there in uh, southeast Queensland at that time. Yeah, I'll, well, you think of it, we had it. We, we, because we had 250. But if you're going to pick one, then you'd pick, obviously, the one that is the major well, that's, crop. Well, that's, that's what we would naturally think. Uh, what, is, what, what, do you, what do you grow there? Avocados, mangoes? Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Yeah, uh-huh. and there's stone fruit nearby and there's apples and, you know, we had everything. Yeah, I guess you got down to Stanhope, which is not far away, where you've got that's all right. of that stuff being grown. Yeah, yeah, and we had stuff from cans, all the tropical things. We had rambutans and jipotacabas and everything you couldn't pronounce. It was all there. <laughs> uh, and people knew that's where you came to get it. But if you want to just choose one that has a future, how do you do that? Well, for new Christians, it's simple. You get down on your knees with your catalogue and a pen and you pray, Lord, is it apples? No. Bananas? No. Cherimoyas? No. Durians? No, it wouldn't be durians. <laughs> Definitely not durians. <laughs> and you just no go, Christian would grow durian. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. It's a sin. <laughs> all, of, all, of my, all of my friends from Southeast Asia are like heretic. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. <laughs> the, nectar, the nectar of heaven right there. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, so uh, they just go through the list prayerfully and carefully and think, uh, thinking about industries in Australia and all these different things. And then 1986, this would have been, 86, 87, they chose the olive tree. And there was no olive industry in Australia. There were probably 100,000 olive trees growing across the country, and they were all in the backyards of Greeks and Italians who had smuggled them, you know, for the years. And, you know, and that was it. That was the Australian olive industry. Uh, and so they, they sold the business, kept the olive trees, put them on a trailer, and headed off to the next town to run uh, outreach programs to tell people about Christ. And they okay, so you've got, you got a nursery on a trailer. Basically, yeah. Until they get to the next destination, they get a house, they, they dig a hole in the backyard, they plant the olive trees in the holes, and then when they finish doing it there, running programs there, and they've got to go somewhere else, they dig the olive trees up, and away they go again. Now, of course, these olive trees just are really going to struggle if they keep doing this to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so they bought a little farm in South Queensland, planted the olive trees there. And, uh, and those olive trees are still there to this day. But what was interesting, 
uh, is, and this comes back to, to my faith journey, that my wife and I got married and we moved to Queensland to this little farm to start an olive tree nursery and uh, we'd already been doing a little bit mum and dad had been doing a little bit in their backyard in Sydney um, to pay the bills and I was going to go up there and run it full time and dad rang me up and said Julian we're going to come up and live there as well because we don't think you'll be able to run it this business is going to be too big for you and I'm like you're running it part time out of your backyard in Sydney I'll be full time I'll be okay and they're like no you won't be and you're selling to um, the odd Greek and Italian that's right who wants an olive tree in their backyard yeah that's all there is to it and uh, so I'm like yeah I can do that and they're going no it's going to be too big and I'm like whatever so they come up to the farm and we both families my wife and I and my mum and dad we're living there on the the farm my younger brother and sure enough within four years it's the largest olive tree nursery in the world it just goes crazy the Australian industry takes off yeah you go from having a hundred thousand olive trees Australia wide to probably having a hundred thousand in a single major single, major farms or like, yeah. in a single in a single farm. That's right. So we're selling a million olive trees a year. We've got eighty staff. We've got an olive olive equipment business. We've got a um, olive industry magazine. We've got a consulting business. We're running tours around the world, all in four years. It's just it just goes crazy. Now God knew that. He knew that was going to happen, but they had no idea. As a couple of young, recently converted hippie Christians, they had no idea that that was what was about to happen. Uh, went from there to um, adding another business to it called Olive Leaf Extract. Uh, and many listeners may know a product called Olive Leaf Extract uh, through the... Which your family basically invented. Uh, look, it had been around for a long time, uh, but Dad, being an entrepreneur, was probably the first in the world to make it from fresh olive leaves rather than dried olive leaves. Uh, and that business went crazy. It made the other ones look small. Um, we had 500,000 olive trees growing on a farm just for their leaves. Uh, and, yeah, that product went all over the world. Um, now, of course, this is a faith journey. So, so what happened to my faith during all this, these years of seeing God lead these businesses, businesses that we ran for God, that we considered them his businesses. The profits that came from these businesses were being used in all sorts of mission work around the world. Mm, mm. Uh, but what happened to my faith during that time? Well, my faith actually, as the profit graphs went up, my faith went down. Not, not so much my faith in God, but my relationship with God, mm. because I was just so busy, so distracted, uh, so interested in the profits. Uh, that my daily relationship with him uh, tanked. And uh, so that was another journey. So converted at 18, uh, went through these years of business, uh, had a wonderful time. I'm not, I'm not you know, discrediting it in any, in any way. It was the most incredible experience to be able to run these businesses and expand them around the world. We ended up selling into uh, 25 countries around the world and uh, the businesses were bigger than anything we could have ever expected. But... The there, there's a reason why Jesus says it's harder to get a rich man into heaven than a camel through the eye of a needle, right? Exactly. That's and you right. started to experience a bit of that? Very much so. Yeah, I, I had a battle going on in my life between faith and finance. Um, as my as my finances went up, my faith went down. Mm. I thought I was the only one that, that who had this problem. Uh, I really battled with it uh, because I knew I knew in my heart what I wanted. I wanted a strong relationship with Christ. But the higher those prophets went, <laughs> the less... I had that relationship. Uh, and I thought there's got to be a way to do it. There's got to be a way to maintain the two. You know, I looked in the Bible, I saw Abraham and Job and some of these other people who 
uh, obviously had found a balance for that, uh, but I just couldn't find it. Uh, I just got busier and busier and and, uh, and more and more challenged. Uh, finally found myself in our, our prayer room at home, lying on the carpet, face down on the carpet, crying my eyes out, saying, Lord, I can't do this anymore. Mm. I, I want you... Uh, I'm prepared to give all this up, but I, I've got to have this relationship with you. Uh, and that, that coincided uh, fortuitously, providentially, uh, with the sale of the last, the last business, which was uh, Mum and Dad's 12th business. Um, and that was the olive leaf extract business. Uh, I stayed on for a couple of years and with the new owners, and through that time was able to get some things in perspective uh, and and come back to a daily saving relationship with Christ. Mm, and it was, it, was a, it was a battle. There's no question it was a battle, uh, but it was the most beautiful thing that's happened to me. Yeah, yeah. Now, something we've heard quite a bit of here on Faith FM is um, presentations that took place at an event called Prophetica. Yes. How did that come about? I understand that yeah. you were the instigator of that one. Yeah, I guess I, I, I got to a point after so many years of of not doing uh, what you would call community outreach, you know, like mum and dad were doing, running around the place telling people about Jesus. I had I had not done that for so long that I just got really frustrated and went, I've, I know I've got to do this. I, 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 I was reconverted and I, I needed to try and tell people about, uh, about Jesus. And uh, there's a lot of different ways of doing that. Um, in a public sphere, um, you would normally have a you know a Billy Graham crusade or some sort of crusade, some sort of mission program. Or, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, Franklin Graham's out here at the moment. Doing yeah, stuff, so. yeah, that's right. And so uh, I thought, well, how can how can we do that? And and I I'm not I'm not the great evangelist. I'm not the guy who will come and and you know talk people through the Bible over 15 weeks or, or whatever it is. Um, and I looked at society and I went, you know, what would my mates turn up at, uh, my, my non-Christian friends? And I thought, well, uh, they'll turn up at a TED Talk weekend. You know, they'll, they'll come along for a couple of days of TED Talks on really cool topics. Uh, and so I prayed about this and fasted and just said, Lord, please guide me in the principles of sharing your love with other people. Uh, in the society that I currently live in. Uh, and the outcome of that was a program called Prophetica. It ran for a weekend, uh, and it was a series of 16 TED Talks uh, done by uh, presenters, very talented presenters such as yourself, Lyle. <laughs> so, yeah, I got, I got the privilege of sneaking in there alongside all of the big guys. <laughs> yeah, so so, so we, we ran programs on family, marriage, um, archaeology, uh, Bible, history, world events health so and we brought in the best the best of the best in the field on those topics to do a 20 minute talk and you'll know from your talks that there, there was a big timer right down yeah, the we, front there we all struggled with that <laughs> yeah. all of us who were called in um, to uh, to do these presentations you've got all of you know I mean I'm here on the radio for two hours every morning <laughs> yeah, that's right and, and Julian calls up like I wanted you to talk for 20 minutes I'm 20 minutes I've never spoken for 20 minutes in my life before <laughs> that's right but you know it, it it was a beautiful weekend. We, we had uh, over 800 people there, all who paid. This is in uh, Toowoomba. Toowoomba, that's right, yeah. And it was the biggest venue in town, a beautiful 
place called the Empire Theatre, and that's where everybody goes for the Russian ballet and you know all the rest Every, of it. Yeah. Everything's there. Uh, yeah, and people actually paid to come along and hear these things because they knew the quality of the presentations. They knew the, they they had a real interest in these topics, and they would they would sit there and they might be in a, a four talk bracket, and the first one might be um, how to live to a hundred. Uh, the next one might be uh, learning from learning life principles from the ancient Egyptians. Uh, the next one might be the future of marriage in Australia. And then the last one might be the future of food as medicine. So a real mix of topics that, that really touch people's hearts, you know, things they're really interested in, health, physical, mental, basically physical, mental and spiritual health and what's going on in the world. That's, you know, topical uh, things. And because they were 20 minutes at a time and everybody knew they were only 20-minute talks, they were on the edge of their seats the whole time. Uh, and, of course, having great presenters was a really key part to that. Uh, but, yeah, so here's, here's over 800 people paying to come along and hear this stuff. Very different to 30 years before that when my dad and mum would rent out the local hall and put out their little flyers and, and whatever and, and have people come along uh, in scale and, and presentation method and all the rest, but similar impact in that people uh, showed, hey, yeah, I'm, I'm really interested in this. I want to know more about my physical health, my mental health, my spiritual health. Please give it to me. That's fantastic. Okay, real quick, because we are out of time, what are you doing now? Okay, uh, I, for the last few years I've been running a ministry called Faith Versus Finance, and so I've been travelling around the world speaking on my personal testimony of that battle that I had uh, between faith and finance. Uh, but right now, the reason that I'm working here in a very close by office to yours... Yeah, that's right, <laughs> Dillian works just around the corner. <laughs> that's right, is that uh, I'm a project manager uh, for setting up uh, a whole number of different types of projects, but one of which is are things called centres of influence. So community centres where people can come along to learn about physical, mental and spiritual health. Nothing. Uh, Fantastic. Yeah, that's and awesome. so that's running right down the east coast from Tweed Heads right down through, you know, Kempsey, Coffs, Port, Newcastle. And this is a project you've just started. You've been here, what, a couple of weeks? Yeah, now, that's not so very long yet. Early days yet, but yeah. um, you know that uh, when you uh, listen to what Julian's done in the past, that I'm sure he's going to throw everything that he's got at uh, his latest um, calling from God. So praise yeah. God for uh, for how God is using you. Julian, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks, it's been great Lyle. to have you on the show. We do have to move on after this song. We'll be back with the 8 o'clock news, followed by Encounter with God. You're listening to Faith FM.
Lift your 